Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you? Welcome. <laughs> Starting off strong. Starting off strong. Starting off strong, guys. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the internet's bullshit. And I'm Matt Sansing for Don't Wreck Yourself, reporting from Parts Unknown. Oh, it looks like uh, this is uh, your bedroom, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it is. It is. But nobody nobody else knows exactly. where you live, so this well, still Let's keep it that way, too. Yeah, I don't, wanna, I don't, want, I don't want you to dox <laughs> me on my own show. I don't, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so we, we haven't done this in a while, but Matt and I have both decided that today is going to be a boozy broadcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I, I, I had, I, I showed up with one unopened white claw. We'll see how many I get through, right? So, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get right. crazy, but, you know. Well, I... I, I I suspect you'll get through zero unopened white claws. It's the open ones that you'll tear through. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I am drinking a rogue pineapple party punch, fun. a hazy India pale ale brewed with pineapple and toasted Sounds coconut. Sounds great to me. Yeah. Aaron has a habit of buying beers that sound kind of tiki-ish. It sound exciting. Yeah. And then we drink one and then they end up sitting in the fridge forever. I once had, I think I drank it on this podcast. It was a pina colada milkshake IPA uh, that was just, it, it overpromised and underdelivered. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not even sure who the brewery was. I might have been Yinta, actually. Might have been Yinta. Uh, true to advertisement, this does taste like a Hawaiian punch. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Well, that's fun. It's a good breakfast beer. It's okay. I kind of have something that I forgot to mention last episode that is important, which is um, I had potato fudge. Oh, yeah. At least made it while I was. I can't remember where I was one day. I was I think I was hanging out with my mom. I came back and drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I was drunk with my mom. And uh, I came back and she, and she was like, I got potato fudge and I had it. And it's pretty good. It's it's she took like a mashed potato mix. And folded that in with melted chocolate and it created this grainy chocolatey goop. That it's actually pretty fucking good. I'll be honest, man. That's good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely eat it. I'm not against it. Potatoes are a pretty neutral yeah. food. I could see dessert. Yeah, for them sure. Up. It's pretty good. Like I said, um, it's a little grainy. I think that's just from using the uh, Idaho and mashed potato out of a box thing. Um, but it's pretty good. It, oh it gives yeah, it a little more it. grainy. It gives it a little, it gives it a little more body. It gives it some graininess. Um, I don't know. What, it, it's it's like a spread. It's not, it's not, it didn't like firm up like 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 regular fudge did. You know. Yeah, I, I think from a from a technique standpoint, uh, you'd want to not not just use fresh potatoes, but overcook those fresh yeah. potatoes so that way you get that really yeah soaky texture like a, that is undesirable in mashed potatoes, but desirable in a yeah, spread. I get that. Well, I like mashed potatoes, I like silky smooth mashed potatoes. What do you like? The chunky ones or the lumps in it? No, I like them to be like whipped. I guess like yeah. Okay, mashed I'll, potatoes, which which I light and fluffy okay, is what yeah, I look I think, for. I think I think they're on the same page too. So silky implies a density that I'm not, just not on okay. board with. 
Recently, my wife Erin has been looking for a job. And so in that process, she's been tweaking and updating her resume and trying to position herself to land the job of her dreams as an HR management professional. I'm glad she's living up to our childhood dreams. So if you are currently hiring an HR manager, please consider hiring (laughs) Erin. That ongoing search taking place inside of my house is probably what drew me to this question from r slash no stupid questions. r slash no stupid questions is a forum on the internet, on Reddit specifically, where you get to ask whatever you want. And no matter what it is, it can't be stupid by by virtue of Boolean logic and everything uh, I hold dear. Strange internet alchemy at work. So the question is... Do companies look at your PE grades when hiring, assuming you're not applying to become a PE teacher? And this is from user Zephyr Goose. Uh, so, no, um, I would say even if you're applying to become a PE teacher, they are not looking at your physical education grades from high school. Because once you graduate high school and after you, after the college like looked and certify them, they do not matter at all. Like medical schools, law schools, they don't look at your high school transcripts. So the only people who look at your high school transcripts are or would be colleges and institutions, the next step in higher education. Yeah, and I would think that it would actually be illegal to gatekeep somebody on the basis of their PE grades because you could be potentially discriminating against them for a physical or medical yeah. condition. Not only are they unlikely to care whether your PE grades are good, but even looking at your PE grades could be grounds for, uh, you know, a lawsuit for discriminatory hiring. This practices. definitely was like asked by a guy who like did poorly in PE recently, and he's like, "Shit, is this ever gonna <laughs> is this ever gonna come up in a in a in a, fu- in a future interview with me?" This is like a fourteen year old with rope burns on his hands because he couldn't make it to the roof of the gym. <laughs> Or is like a goth kid who doesn't want to participate in anything with PE. It's like he, he just wants to get off school so he can go to Hot Topic and buy all that cool shit that he loves. These are the people who don't do well in PE, I feel like. Well, thing is, I'm, I'm concerned because and I don't want to imply anything about this person that might be unsuited to this particular No Stupid Questions forum. But if you have to ask, maybe PE teacher is yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I mean, who the hell we talked about dream jobs earlier? Who the hell is like, you know what? I want to grow up to be a PE teacher. I want to grow up to be a gym gym class teacher. I think it could be fun yelling at kids, set up the shuttle run. It seems like a super fucking cush position. That's the thing. Yelling at kids is like I have never met a PE teacher that seemed they liked what they do. Right. They all seem annoyed. They all seem to hurry up and run laps. Beat like, you know, hurry up. You fucking, you know, they don't say fuck, but, you know. Um, they probably do on the inside, you know, but a whole, a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think happiness in a career like that is 100 percent dependent on your frame of mind, <laughs> because knowing that companies are never going to look at these grades that you're producing for these kids, just give them yeah. all fucking A's. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. It does not matter. Like you have the least impactful job in the world, except to, to identify like you're, you're out there bird dogging people for the varsity baseball team at best as a PE teacher. I couldn't even tell you what the curriculum is for a, a PE class that I that I've been in. We did some sport half this or a quarter of the semester was done on like personal hygiene, which is like the only thing we ever got tested for yeah. and shit like that. I had to do a shuttle a shuttle run and like do, do the one a time to one mile. Beyond that, I can't remember what we learned. You recall the presidential I do remember that. Tests. I do remember that. But even that, you're not graded on. It's just like, you did it. You get like a badge, right? Uh, or a certificate? Yeah, a lot of school districts actually assign sex ed to the PE teacher. So the rest of the year is just fucking smooth sailing. 
And then once every semester, you fucking gird your loins and you just wade into the topic of sex ed with people under the age of 18, which sounds like the worst fucking I job think- in the world. So I'd like to I'd like to caveat my my initial statement that PE is the most cush job in the world and just say that there is one very shitty we did, part. In my middle school and high school, we didn't have sex ed. We had health class that was taught by health teachers who taught health, right? They weren't PE teachers, but you went over like all the anti-drug, all the dare stuff was in that class, all the sex ed stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think compared to those two jobs, PE teacher is definitely uh, a cush job because all you're doing is telling kids, no, can I go to the bathroom? No, run. <laughs> You know, anyway, I feel, I feel like we're really talking shit and we're maligning like PE teachers out there. People, someone's like, hey, I'm having a great time making $28,000 a year and yelling at kids. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, user user Zephyr Goose, you have nothing to worry about. Nobody will ever look at your PE grade ever Even if you again. become a PE teacher. Even if you become a PE teacher, a professional baseball player, it does not matter. If you join a profession that requires physical fitness, like, say, firefighter, police officer, United States yeah. military, they're going to test you when you yeah. get there. They're not going to check and your records. throughout. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. 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 So nothing, nothing to, to worry about. about um, honestly, we're really just, if anyone's listening that is currently taking PE right now, we're like, they're like, we're definitely green letting them not giving a shit. <laughs> they're just like, that's a, d- no, don't give a shit. <laughs> Here's what you do. You walk up to your PE teacher, you find out what sport they're into, and then you chat about that sport. You'll get yeah. an A in the class. It doesn't matter what you do. You could pants your friends and still get an A in that class. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say, hypothetically speaking, you go out, you land that dream job with or without a PE grade requirement. And while you're there, you are confronted with rude, untoward behavior from customers which is the topic of this post from r slash anti-work by user Samathan. I love the anti-work uh, subreddit. I go there every day now. It's really funny. Oh, my it's God. A- it makes me wish my employer was shittier, <laughs> so that way I'd have something yeah. to talk about on r slash anti-work. Because I work for a fantastic company, and I know for a fact my boss listens to this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I mean, I work for a good organization, too, that takes care of their employees, so I have... And does your boss? He has listened listen to, the to the podcast. Kind of, I think he kind of dropped off, <laughs> but he has listened to it before for sure. But he could jump in at any moment and tune into this episode and find out that we've been kissing his ass. <laughs> We're talking shit. We haven't finished the episode yet. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't finished the episode yet. We have been known. To, we have been known to turn on a dime, <laughs> and we are and we are drinking. So you know. Cheers to that. So user Samathan asks, as a male retail worker who is not allowed to be openly rude to customers, what is a good response when a customer says something weirdly sexual about my female coworkers? Uh, first thing, good for you for even asking this question. I think there's a hell of a lot of guys out there who would just let it slide under the rug and not say shit. So I think mm-hmm. this guy is already starting off in a strong position. And then I've thought about this because we talked about this a little uh, within the past few days, I really thought about that. And I used to work retail, right? I used to work retail and definitely uh-huh. had dipshit customers every goddamn day, which is, which is when I was working for retail, I was, I had just graduated from college. It was before I went to grad school. And I was like, I had like that awkward gap where I was just like working retail, trying to like survive before I could suck that tea to the sweet student loans pipeline. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, um, this is when you were working at the mall, this right? Was working at the mall. I was the assistant manager or selling watches at the mall. Man, it fucking sucked. I was thinking to myself, I got to do something with my degree because this cannot be my future. I remember thinking that. <laughs> I mean, no offense to any retail workers out there. It's just, a, it's every, just every, every day. Every day you went to work and literally stared at yeah, a ticking right, yeah. clock. <laughs> like, yeah, really. I f- and fixed them and worked them and set them to the right time and, and put new crystals on them and took links on them. Yeah, I did all kinds of stuff there. But um, I thought about this and I think the best, absolute best thing you can do is act like you don't know what they're talking about and make the offender explain the joke. 
I think I, I think that just that. like takes the wind out of their sails. Like, but you can just imagine some some older gentleman, maybe a boomer, talking about the parts of a body of a coworker and like using like a euphemism, right? Like, like jugs or something like that. It's, oh, well, 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 well yeah. what do you mean by jugs? And like, oh, you're talking about my coworker's tits right now. I think that completely. He's like, no, you work at a dairy and she just has two <laughs> jugs, big old milk no, I'm jugs. I'm talking about my, my cow, Bessie. How dare you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've run into this situation uh, both in work environments. You know, I, I work in retail and bar yeah. and restaurant environments. And Probably seen I've, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen enough of it. And I've got two techniques that I use. One is to. If I if I'm and this is this is kind of a bad example, because in this story, I wasn't actually working. So I had no expectation of being polite to other customers. <laughs> so I was sitting at a bar in San Angelo, Texas. I was like 20 years old. What bar? What bar? I don't remember the name. Was it Zent- was it a Zentner's I daughter was, or a Zent- or Zentner's? <laughs> I have I have no idea. <laughs> so I was sitting at this bar and there's a bartender. She was probably, you know, early right. 20s. And there was a 60-year-old Texas billionaire sitting at the fucking <laughs> bar next to me. He kept telling, he kept saying to her, it's like, he's like, I'm going to take you away to Las Vegas. I'll show you a real good time. I looked at him. And I'm like, you are too old for her. And I looked at her and said, do not go anywhere with this man. <laughs> what if she's like, that's my grandfather. And at that point, <laughs> at that point, I was asked to leave wow, the bar really? uh, b- oh. by the old man who cleared oh. my tab. So technically, he bought he bought beer for so an you underage came out guy. on top on this whole thing. Went ahead and I cut my losses. I, I I had thoroughly embarrassed him in front of his. I don't know what you would call it. What what is it? The sexual predators go after prey. Oh, I guess. <laughs> so what, what what do you think? Like I, you and I, I think are in the same camp. It's like by yes, by all means, fucking embarrass yeah, yeah. them. Most one hundred percent. Strip them down. Make them feel reduced to rubble. We've talked about this before in the podcast. Where but like when you're at work, you're a prisoner to your employer you're, you're you're essentially in consensual jail for eight hours right and can't you can't just you don't have the opportunity of sit telling someone to fuck off like you would on the street or just walking away from the situation anything you can do to limit the amount of shit your colleagues get particularly your your younger female colleagues i would say or, or, or the, the, yeah. the demographic really dealing with this whatever you can do to kind of insert yourself in a respectful professional way without getting fired i think is would be welcome in, in most scenarios i would say last week i was at a business meeting where one of the participants in the business meeting who is an older gentleman used the term jewish lightning <laughs> to describe insurance oh fraud wow so i pondered it for about 10 seconds and i said you know what? That maybe that that's a term that should probably be yeah. retired. Yeah. And it's tough because when you're in when you're in a situation, particularly with people that you you get along with and that you have to work with on a daily basis, you cannot go scorched earth. Right. Right. Uh, you can't be like, in, in some circumstances, you, you but right. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the right thing to do is to address it. So finding a respectful way to address something is is probably the preferred thing to do. And what I, as your restaurant retail manager, will tell you to do as an employee, find a polite way to confront that person. Let them know that you have clear boundaries and that there are clear boundaries in this place of yeah. employment. Whether you're male, female, does not matter. You are responsible for the work environment, the overall work environment that you're in. It, it's not. It doesn't matter whether you're the top, whether you're the subject of the harassment or one of your coworkers is. You as a person who is working there is responsible for the culture. And the I would also say too, if you're a manager and if you let things slide, you're kind of a real big piece of shit because you have 
some sort of, you can exert some sort of power even over rude customers. You can ask people to leave. You can say, hey, don't talk to my employee like that. You can you can stick up for yeah. your for your employee. And I think that would pay dividends down the road for having a loyal employee. Yeah. As a, as a retail manager, I will tell you, it's much harder, particularly in the restaurant industry, to deal with sexual harassment in the workplace between employees than it is to deal with customers because customers, you can just fucking kick right. them out the door. You, you, the business is out $50. Once you start dealing with like key uh, key personnel and stuff, it's just like, hey, you, now you have to counsel people, address the situation, and it's it's painful to do. Honestly, I would rather deal with a rude customer than a rude coworker any day. Interesting. Of the okay. Week. Well, yeah, I, I think I think that's right. I think that's right. You can definitely just tell people to get the hell out, or you're done here. You can cut people off. It's not easy to get into a into a mindset where you can confront customers, but like I said, it's it comes down to being able to establish clear boundaries for what is and is not acceptable in your place of work. And I think the other uh, the other the other tactic that I use to confront particularly sexual harassment is I, I call it an interception. Okay. It's like if, uh, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you're at a bar and somebody blows a kiss to the, your, uh, your, your, your lady bartender okay. friend. You reach out, you grab that kiss <laughs> out of the air, you plant it on your own mouth. And you wink at the person. And then you buy him a drink to establish dominance. (laughs) Pretending that you are the object of their sexual attraction will perform the the earlier task of embarrassing them. But also helps to diffuse the situation with just a little bit of comedy. And if they don't see the comedy, fuck them. Kick them out. You have the right to refuse service to anybody who sexually harasses your coworkers. 100%. Absolutely. It's a good question. And again, I think uh, the, the, is it Samathan, the guy who asked it? Samuel 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 from Middle Earth. It's it's actually math llamas spelled backwards, but it's oh, so that that reminds me I, I, a, a llama with a one L llama okay. is a priest. A two L llama, a llama spelled with two L's at the beginning is a beast and a three L llama <laughs> is a it. big fire in All Boston. Right. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. OK. Incidentally, a four L llama is an even bigger fire, bigger fire in Boston. <laughs> I did not know that one L. I, I feel like I learned something today. So yeah, Uh-oh. I know, right? It's a problem. <laughs> you better, you better put it down in your fucking yeah, calendar. Sure. Oh, by the way, I, I, I would also like to move for the official anniversary, the official one year anniversary of our podcast, to be April first. Okay, sure. Is April yeah. Fool's Day? So we released our initial podcast, our initial episode, our test episode <coughs> at the end of March, and then we officially launched our podcast in the first week of April. So right between sure. there is yep. April first. No one else is going to know the difference. Yeah, or care. fuck yeah. So yeah, absolutely. We we can decide. We can decide. Uh, I, I have a feeling our no, listeners are going no, to care. Not. No, they're not. Uh, About <laughs> our anniversary, no. So out here in the podcasting world, we have coworkers that we go to bat for whenever we can. Those coworkers are other people making podcasts. At this point, our listeners should know that we are big fans of Shrimp and Crits, an actual play Monster of the Week podcast. Every other week on Tuesday, they put out an episode. So I'm just going to play their promo here. Okay, sure. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a Southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. 
That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green, the searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um, and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon in Sunny Gullicoach. That sounds like a pretty oh, good yeah. show, right, I'm Matt? I'm super excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, they're good people. I've listened. People. I'll tell you what. I, I've listened to every episode, and I donate oh, to their Patreon. Wow, okay. So I'm. You're a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan, big fan, fan of of them yeah. and what they do. Um, but somebody that I'm not really a huge fan of, I think you wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I today. saw this hilarious <laughs> thing pop up on on Twitter the other day, where conservative activist Charlie Kirk, uh, he's more of like the MAGA brand of Republican, which is becoming the dominant strain currently. <laughs> I, he, I'm hoping it runs its course so I can take my mask off on airplanes. <laughs> well, you can now because. Uh, Thanks. Thanks to the MAGA strain running this course. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So um, he was speaking to a group of like-minded people when when an elderly woman in her late 50s, early 60s went on this rambling question talking about opioid crisis and the housing crisis and what Kirk's solution is and specifically what how to get Democrats out of decision making places of power because she disagrees with everything they do. And his solution is to stop building up and to start building buildings horizontally because the higher you live in a skyscraper, the more liberal you become. That's the claim. Okay. Well, I, I think this is really more of a Republican populist rebranding point because I, I would say since roughly the Hoover administration, the Republicans have been seen as inextricably linked to big business and corporations. And the current MAGA strain is sort of a bottom up movement in the sense that it ostensibly is there to support, quote unquote, working class right. people. So this idea that people living in high rises have suddenly become more liberal, uh, it, it has more to do with rebranding, not with the political leanings of people who can afford to live in high no, rises. Well, uh, he goes even further and and he says, OK, well, so when, when I first heard that, I said, OK, you could be using you could be using that as like an analogy or proxy for saying, OK, People in cities tend to be more liberal than people in rural areas, which is 100% true. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, But he goes even further and says, the closer to the ground you are, the more conservative you are. We should encourage people to spread horizontally, not vertically. He's literally talking about making strip malls, not skyscrapers, as a way to keep people <laughs> as a way to keep people more conservative. I like the logic of this because if the idea is that the higher you go, the more liberal you are, then it totally makes sense that he and his ilk crawled out from underneath a terrible, terrible rock, misshapen that looks like yeah, God's the, penis. He goes on to say something about like you have to grow your own food, which by the way, there's a hell of a lot of urban farmers in, 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 in cities that grow vegetables and shit on the top of their roofs. Yeah. There, there are way more people growing vegetables in the cities than, than in the suburbs. That's he for did sure. say, uh, look at Denver, the, the higher, the high rises has Denver become less free or more free. It's become a dystopian nightmare. You guys know that he's forgetting for a moment that Denver is surrounded by rural Colorado, which outnumbers the people in Denver by like a metric shit ton. So much of the current political talking points, has to do with divisions yeah. in the country and shorthand explanations that aren't necessarily backed by demographic info. There's a lot of assumptions. And I, I think that the left makes just as many assumptions about people sure. as the right yeah. does in that 
they're like this group of people by virtue of where they live, what they look like, they agree with me and they should agree with me. And if they don't agree with me, they're not good at being what they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I think cities tend to be more liberal for several reasons. And I think being a city dweller myself, I think these are my observations that have nothing to do with the height of the building. I live on the third floor, by the way. Does that mean my neighbors, the ones living on top of me, are they a little more liberal than I am? I don't fucking think so. Yeah, I think they probably are. I'm 70 meters from a horse. I think I I feel comfortable saying that I'm on the other end of the spectrum in terms of I'm the I'm the urban sprawl building. Your your kids live. Do they live on the first floor or the second floor? My kids live on the second. Where do you live? I live on. Do you have anyone that lives on the first floor of your of your household? I mean, we have our living room on the first floor. That should count for something. That's where, yeah, that's, that's the room where we do most of our living. That's where we clean our guns because we're more conservative. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where we. That's where we organize our anti-abortion protests is on the first floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, these are the reasons I think be, being more liberal, or being in a city, tends to skew more liberal. For one, uh-huh. you promote ideologies that correspond with Democrats. I think residents living together under the same roof or in a building that doesn't happen in rural areas. You're more exposed to a more diverse population of people and you're thinking oh well, everyone else is trying to live their lives no one you know it's a little more of a postmodern. like no one is wrong here we should all make space for all but but there's evidence that democrats value walkability and conservative people value more spaciousness and more like individual freedom i i, I think the primary difference between rural and urban environments is that you are more likely to need a third party to you're more likely to need the state, I would say, which is which is definitely why. Yeah, you're, you need a third. You need a neutral third party to mediate interactions between human beings because there are so many living in such close proximity. It's hard to ignore other people when you live in a city. Right now, the closest living thing that's not related to yeah, me is a second horse. horse reference in so many minutes. I love it. I, I think it's apt. I'm literally closer to a to to a barnyard animal than I am to a human being who could potentially infringe upon my expectations or my rights. Absolutely. And I think modern cities, think about it. Many urbanites, they trade their car for public transit. Uh, They live in neighborhoods with trash codes or HOAs, homeowners associations. They -hmm. live under city planning and zoning commissions. They get to decide different, like, you know, what building gets built where. Parking rights, where it gets to park. Views along the water are all regulated by some sort of bureaucratic apparatus that you become dependent on. So it's not really, it it is not really more... uh, stretch of the imagination to say, okay, people are a little more, they expect a little more from, from their local government, which definitely just means you're a little more liberal in, in practice. Yeah. I, I think you have an expectation that the government will be involved in your life and you yeah, vote and accordingly. Not, not only expectation, but like you count on it, right? Like I take the Metro every day to work. I mean, you know, or when I go to the office, I go, I take the Metro. So I'm, I'm dependent yeah. on, on the, the trains running on time. Nobody wants to work these days. I'm not surprised yeah, you don't want to go yeah, to the office. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> city dwellers are also very in tune with actions that can be nuisance to others, which I think is why people tend to be less libertarian in a city, right? Loud music, private construction that messes with people's days of public spaces is some guy standing on his porch, popping off a few rounds. Exactly, to keep property exactly. Values that's a good. That's a good. That's a, that's a good <laughs> callback for our most faithful listeners. All this kind of gets thrown out the window because I found out that Charlie Kirk bought a high rise condo in Florida, so he can fuck off. Yeah, like I said, this has absolutely nothing to do with facts or information. What it is is a political shorthand that says we are different than those yep. people over there. Yep, that's all yep. it is. It has nothing to do with elevation. You know, the oxygen isn't any richer or poorer up there, causing causing people to hold crazier, different ideas. 
It, it just, it, you know, it, it comes down to you are a product of your biology and your environment. Nature and nurture come together to form the piece of shit that is Charlie Kirk. There is, um, what, and I'm going to be a little generous to Charlie Kirk, which is the only time in my life I'm going to do this. But So are you going to be more or less generous than me calling him a piece of shit? No, I'm going to be a little more generous than that, I would say. Um, a study okay. from Washington University in St. Louis, that um, they found that people's partisan affiliations are shaped by proximity to one city. So, Professor Kirk, uh, you're you're not completely wrong, but it's, it has nothing to do about where you live and what height at which you live. It has to do with how far away you are. Holding all other individual characteristics constant, so controlling for someone's like gender, age, occupation, income, all that stuff. Uh, identifying as a strong Democrat drops 12 percentage points if you live in a more rural area. Uh, likewise, their analysis suggests that a person living in a densely packed community is about 11 points more likely to identify as a strong Democrat. Uh, Republicans live 20 miles from a city, while independents tend to live 17 miles. So it really has to do with how close you are to the city. So if you're living in yeah. the city, you're definitely more. And it, this is not surprising. It's not like groundbreaking research. It's just things that we've known, we've known to be true. We just didn't know them for a fact. So in conclusion, I, I guess what we could say is that He's getting the right answer. He's for the getting wrong the. Reasons. He's using the. He's getting the right answer from the wrong formula, right? I guess is yeah. He's like two plus two equals five, and five is definitely five the is right definitely answer. Definitely more than two, so why can't it be? Yeah, but his numbers no, do not no, add up. No, no. <laughs> uh, I just think it's kind of funny. He just like feels so entitled and just feels so. You have a microphone, and this is the shit you're spreading, and you think it's like totally fine. I would be embarrassed if the shit come out of my mouth. I would be like, God, this is horrible. But he's he he leans into it. He has he, he has no problem getting high off his own supply. I am proud to say that I have never felt that way about this yeah, podcast. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, right. There's still time. If we were to go down that dark road of just complete and utter blindness to our own shit cannery. What? What? Chicanery. Chicanery is a good word there. I thought you said shit cannery for a second there. Yeah, I did say shit cannery. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you're so willfully blind to your own bullshit that, that's just no way to yeah. live your life yeah no yeah I, yeah i get it I get it. you shouldn't eat your own bullshit that's just good life advice in general <laughs> i'm kind of i'm kind of a math and, and spatial science nerd so do you think that his claim is that is he referencing height or elevation because there is a difference so for our listeners elevation is calculated relative to average sea level so your elevation could be a mile high if you're in Denver or height if you're at the top of a of a high rise that's, you know, 30 yeah. stories tall and you're up there living yeah. in the penthouse. So are is he calculating liberalism relative to sea level or is he calculating relative to ground level? Yeah. You know, where the, where he the building literally starts. says don't build up. He says start building horizontally, do not build vertically. So it has to do with height. So let's say hypothetically, I sat at the top of the high desert plain in Colorado and I built a level platform out all the way to the okay. East Coast. All right. That level platform would now be a mile above New York yeah. City, for yeah. example. Would the people living there be more or less liberal if they only went if they only went back and so forth to Colorado and they lived if they're above New York? Living at the ground level, which the ground level of Colorado might be above New York, then they would uh, using Charlie's formula, they would tend to be more conservative. They're they're conservative until they look down. Once they look down, they immediately become enamored with socialism. <laughs> there's many reasons why it's many good reasons why you want to build up and not build out. And and I think there's a lot of incentives yeah. there's a lot of incentives associated with that. And I think developers when they decide if they're gonna build 
a strip mall or skyscraper, they don't take into account well, what's going to be the partisan leanings of the residents, right? As not so, their yeah. incentive is to make money. Well, I, I think the other big counter to this argument is the existence of Los yeah. Angeles like the metro area of Los Angeles, because Los Angeles is not a city dominated by high rises. There's a there's a few skyscrapers downtown, but the metro area of Los Angeles is a massive urban sprawl. It's basically just daisy chain strip malls off as far yeah. as the eye can see. This is an interesting fact um, that I, it kind of blew my mind when I when I when I heard about it is that the people in Hong Kong that live on the 30th floor is greater than the population of Chicago. That just on the 30th floor or the 30th no, floor and people above? people who lived only on the 30th floor is higher than the population of Chicago is, is what I've heard. So you would expect Hong Kong to be way more liberal than Chicago, right? Oh, I mean, they did have a summer of protest against the perfectly reasonable government yep. in Beijing. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Hong Kong is more liberal, <clears throat> but, you know, for sure, but it has uh, nothing to do with the, the height at which but, they live. But I think the MAGA movement, you know, as as anti-Chinese as they proclaim to be, are very in favor of authoritarianism. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. yeah. Maybe the residents of Hong Kong on the 30th floor are too liberal for the ideal MAGA government. Um, I hope so. Yeah. Then I would have more in common with them than the MAGA folks, I feel like, which I hate to say. <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're coming up on a midterm. It's going to be donkeys versus elephants. But the elephant that I want to talk about today. The elephant in the room, some would say. The ele- the elephant in this room today is actually not in the room. It's in Margate, New Jersey. Uh, so Lucy the Elephant is a famous landmark in New Jersey. So if you visit Atlantic City, New Jersey, gambling capital of the East Coast. I'm going there next year because of a work conference. My first time will be in Atlantic City. I will see. Yeah, you come on, come on down there. to the national convention, and we'll 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 get drunk. Yeah, play, play some blackjack. We could we could learn. Hypothetically speaking, we could learn how to play baccarat. I'd love to. Like that sounds yeah. like an adventure, right? Because I have no fucking clue how to play baccarat. <laughs> I've never shot. I've never like uh, threw craps before. I've always want. It always looks so much fun. Looks like everyone's having fun. I've never thrown craps well, either. We then. We'll go. We'll learn to throw craps. We'll learn to throw craps and Is we'll play back craps? around. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. Shoot you craps. You shoot craps. Okay. All right. Okay, so Lucy the Elephant, Margate, New Jersey. Uh, originally, it was uh, South Atlantic City. Lucy the Elephant is the United States' oldest roadside attraction. Wow. Okay. Now, the reason why I bring Lucy up is this, this is a topic I've wanted to talk about for a while because I'd seen a meme that basically stated that Lucy was used by rum runners to signal when the coast was literally clear for delivery. So what would happen is the idea is that there would be these ships waiting out in international waters and they would be observing Lucy from a distance. And if the lights in the eyes were red, that means don't come in. If the lights in the eyes are green, come on in. It's safe to deliver. One thing I'll say about Lucy the elephant here is that she looks like she is just like on Molly because her eyes are huge. Oh, it's like a massive eye. Well, yeah, they, they've got to be huge in order to signal the rum runners. <laughs> I was curious about this. I'm like, is this a real thing that actually happened? And we can address that in, in the long run. But let me give you a little bit of background about Lucy. So Lucy was built in 1881 by an enterprising property developer named James V. Lafferty, a Philadelphia-based property developer. So originally, he constructed uh, Lucy, and it was called the Elephant Bazaar. And it served as essentially his real estate office. So what would happen is you'd go there, you'd meet with this guy. You'd be very impressed by his giant fucking elephant building. And then he'd take you up to the seat at the top where somebody would ride an Asian elephant in, say, India. And you'd be able to look out at the property he was developing from that vantage point. 
So it's kind of a marketing gimmick. He he develops this thing, and he actually ends up patenting uh, patenting the patenting the tep. He ends up patenting. Patenting. Uh, patenting. He ends up patenting. He ends up patenting the the concept of animal shaped buildings. I love it. I love it. So he is granted a 17 year patent to produce novelty animal shaped buildings. And he does. Uh, I'd love to hear about the other ones. Yeah. Lucy's not alone. Uh, Lafferty and his collaborators ended up building two other elephant shaped buildings. The last one was in Cape May and was named the Light of Asia and was ultimately destroyed by uh, changing coastlines, I think, as early as 1900. So it lasted like, wow, so climate change is one of the earliest victims of climate change here. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, well, I mean, shifting coastlines happens a lot, especially when you're building beachside, you know, beachside tourist attractions. Light of Asia is destroyed within a couple decades. But more impressively, they ended up building another elephant-shaped building. This one was twice the size in Coney Island, wow. New York. It was completed in 1885, and it was called the Elephantine Colossus. Like I said, it was 122 feet tall. So Lucy's 65 wow. feet tall. This is 122. So it's Way more liberal than Lucy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. So this the Elephantine Colossus was there on the New York coastline until 1896 when it burned down. So it lasted about 11 years. but as it predates the Statue oh, wow. of Liberty, there was a brief period in time in which the welcoming site to new immigrants coming to Port of New York City to be accepted into American society. The first thing they would see is a gigantic Indian elephant. That's awesome. Wow, that's actually really funny. So the Elephantine Colossus served as a hotel and a concert venue until it burned down. Uh, it also had a cigar shop in the uh, in one of the front in the trunk uh, front legs. <laughs> oh, legs. OK. Yeah, the, the legs had an 18-foot diameter. They were huge. They are big enough to put things in. Uh, so they had like a little cigar shop on one side, and then I think like a gift shop or something on the other. So of the three elephants, the only one that remains until today is Lucy. And in that time, uh, Lucy served various roles. She started off as a real estate office. She served briefly as a private residence. Uh, she also served as a tavern, but as there was no electricity running to Lucy, everything was lit by kerosene lamps. And after a few fires, they put the kibosh on that. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. And yeah. well, in, in in fairness, I've actually seen multiple accounts for why they stopped running it as a tavern. One was the lack of electricity. The other one was prohibition. Basically, they said that prohibition shut down the tavern. And then other accounts I saw said they, they stopped doing the tavern organically due to accidentally almost burning <laughs> it down, which... Given the fate of the Elephantine Colossus, totally fucking makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But most recently and possibly most impressively, it became available as an Airbnb. Oh, how much does it cost to stay in? What is in- It was $138 a night. Okay. I'm reasonably certain that it's not available right now. Currently, Lucy is closed for a massive overhaul. Basically, the Lucy superstructure is composed of a wood core, and then it's plated with a tin-based metallic alloy which is then covered in paint. So the idea was every few years they would paint this thing in order to preserve the metal underneath. That's why most of your bridges are painted too. Yeah. You paint bridges to protect the metal from corrosion of a maritime environment. And what city is is Lucy again? Uh, Lucy's in Margate. So it's five miles south of Atlantic City. Okay. Another great Atlantic City uh, tourist trap for you is the convention center. So they have an old convention center. There, there's the modern convention center there. And then they have like the convention hall, which is... They have the it's either the largest or the second largest pipe organ in the world. Wow. Interesting. So when you're in Atlantic City, I encourage you to go there noon every day. They, they perform a recital. They'll bring in an organ player and the organ player will play this system. 
that was designed for conventions and basketball games. It's just this massive instrument. It is one of the world's largest musical instruments. Highly recommended. It's so cool. That's cool. Okay, I'll definitely check it out. It's a great way to bore your kids in Atlantic City. (laughs) (laughs) Which I did. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. You brought your kids to Atlantic City? That's your first mistake. (laughs) Well, we went there to see the organ. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I gotcha. Gotcha. Um, as far as the rum running goes, though, which is really what yeah, got me yeah. interested, because I was aware of Lucy, and I was actually kind of aware of the Elephantine Colossus, but I was not sure about this rum running claim. Lucy's 65 feet tall, and she is visible eight miles out to sea. Wow. Which it's means, like in theory, like a lighthouse. somebody in international waters could take out their little telescope and see whether Lucy has red eyes or green eyes. So in terms of plausibility, absolutely plausible. I found a couple different accounts of this online where people reference this prohibition era rum running scheme. One source uh, attributed it to uh, to a guy named Nucky Johnson, who was a political and criminal kingmaker in Atlantic City, basically from 1910 through I want to say 1941 when he was convicted for tax evasion. The Boardwalk Empire guy. They changed his name. So Steve Buscemi's character on Boardwalk Empire. Nucky Thompson. Was Nucky Thompson. Yeah, yeah. But Nucky Johnson was the actual guy that that character was based based off of. of. Yeah. Huge difference between (laughs) Nucky Johnson and Nucky Thompson. (laughs) They kept the important part. But yeah, so this guy was at at his height. He was earning $500,000 a year, which is the equivalent of $8 million a year. Uh, from payoffs from brothels, speakeasies, and gambling operations. Wow, okay. So he was convicted for tax evasion in 1941. He served four of his 10 years, and then he retired to the Atlantic City political elite again. So the the sources that I found, I found like a like a bizarre history website that recounted this event. And I also found an interview with somebody discussing Lucy, and like it was somebody associated with like the Lucy, uh, Lucy restoration efforts, which have been ongoing since 1970. When Lucy was almost torn down, uh, but uh, a, a society to basically save the elephant rescued it and refurbished it, moved it to a new location and got it put on the National Historic Registry. That's cool. Yeah, Lucy is in good hands and in good shape now and looks to be uh, after this next round of repairs to be, you know, she'll be able to guide rum runners to safety for decades to come. Yeah. While I didn't find them from what I would consider to be irreputable sources, sometimes local news doesn't always fact check as much as you'd like it to. And then uh, a novelty history website I don't consider to be a hard piece of information. Yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia page makes no mention of it, and I find nothing in the sources. I ch- I checked the National Historic Registry uh, paperwork that they filed. There's no mention of its Prohibition-era activities. So it's – this what I'm going to – I'm going to throw up there as a plausible but not, not proven not, based on yeah. what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it probably would be hard to confirm unless you found some sort of primary source document in the archives. And, and I'm not sure if that kind of stuff is reserved for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the issue is that criminals don't keep very good records. And when they do good keep criminals good records, don't keep good records. Yeah, yeah. good <laughs> criminals don't keep good records. Yeah. Criminals who do keep records go to great lengths to make sure those records never see the light of day. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What you really need to find is a bad criminal who's who's, a really a really organized bad criminal is what you're leaning to look for here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I mean I love I love this story because it does there's sort of a uh, it's in sort of a historical gray area and. Lucy the Elephant is a novelty on so many levels. By the way, Asian elephant, uh, Lucy does have tusks, which means Lucy is a male Asian elephant. Okay. Um, Female Asian elephants do not have tusks. I got you. Okay. The African elephants have tusks, any gender, right? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And then and they're larger too. On, on top of being a, a real estate office, a private residence, a tavern, a shop, and an Airbnb, Lucy is also America's oldest roadside attraction and a genderqueer icon. Oh, that's fun. I know. So you know what they say about elephants though, Matt? Uh, what's that? Elephants never forget. That's right. That's right. And if there's one person I'll never forget, it's Rick Reynolds, because he was kind enough to give us the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Apple, iTunes, Amazon and Spotify. Rick is at Rick Reynolds on Instagram. Find him. Check him out. Go to one of his shows. It'll be well worth your time. We're also on social media or Rick Pot on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Make sure you're following all along because we update those channels constantly. I mean, constantly. Constantly. We're updating. Yeah. 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 I don't remember the last time I didn't update one of those channels. I'm updating one of those channels right now. I'm doing it right. I, yeah, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, exactly. You can't see uh, me because I have my pants off, but I'm doing it right now. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt is always polite enough to frame out his dingle dangle whenever we're recording, and I appreciate or it. Or as Tallywhacker, as Madison Cawthorn would say, he, he said, <laughs> you hear that? He, he said that on the on the House floor. He used the word tallywhacker on the House floor. And in a speech, uh, in, a, in a speech on the House well, floor. Well, I mean, if it's in a speech, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was in a speech, and he said, he, he defined what a woman was, and he said, he said, two X chromosomes, no tallywhacker. That is a very glib, sound biteable thing that'll probably play well in MAGA media, but does not actually uh, have a biological or scientific basis. But thank you, Madison Cawthorn, for once again, Lowering the level of discourse in the United States Congress, our most august assembly. On the House floor, definitely. Yeah, I was just like, come on. Tallywhacker. <laughs> you can also find us on the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have a channel devoted to talking about Don't Wreck Yourself, the podcast, where you can discuss most recent episodes, suggest topics, or just provide feedback. Positive for me, negative for Matt. I'm there, Matt's not. <laughs> yeah. If Matt wants to set up a separate channel for you to trash talk about me that I will never look at, oh. go ahead and send him a message on TikTok. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that, I'm not that, or, I'm not that organized. I'm not that motivated to talk shit about you. I am motivated. You're like, I'm, not, not, I'm not as big an asshole as Ryan is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for, uh, taking the time to listen to our show be sure to go to your podcatcher of choice that's that's what we're calling uh programs and apps that play podcasts now i guess and go ahead and leave us a five six seven eight star review <laughs> however many stars i'll let you do just maximum number of stars yeah take it take it to the limit one yeah. more time uh and if between now and when next we meet which for those of you who haven't been paying attention is every Tuesday. If you find yourself staring at yet another statement from Charlie Kirk or another MAGA representative providing questionable architectural advice and you don't have time to wait for our next episode, we encourage you to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united but we're so far apart and it won't change.